Welcome to What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef is proudly supported by Suncorp Bank, helping local producers through the ups and downs since 1902. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello and welcome to What's Your Beef, proudly supported by Suncorp Bank. I'm Jane Cudahy. I'm not going to lie, one of my favourite parts of the Beef Australia Expo is the food. Whether it's a delicious burger straight off the grill at one of the food vendors or a showcase dinner at one of the corporate events, there's always something to look forward to and an interesting approach to a cut you may not have tried yourself. The Celebrity Chef program is back at Beef 21 and while the focus is the kitchen and plating up some of Australia's best cuts of beef, they assure me the event is much more personal than that. Dominique Rizzo is one of Queensland's culinary gems. She's owned restaurants around the Brisbane area but more importantly is passionate about showcasing Australian beef on an international stage through innovative menus and various experiences. But let's start at the beginning. And Dominique, how did you first get into chefing as a career? Well, I actually like to say that it kind of found me as opposed to me finding it. Because um, I always wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. That was my first choice. And then I went and did some, um, uh, you know, at school and you go and kind of have a bit of work experience. And I think I lasted one day and I think that just put me off children for life. <laughs> So my next thing was an art teacher because I loved being really creative and art was probably one of my favourite subjects along with drama and um, language. And that kind of didn't pan out. I was a bit nervous about going to uni and the <laughs> fact that I wouldn't, be able, I wouldn't be able to find my classroom because they're just so massive. But that's some anxiety right there, yeah. <laughs> and um, so basically I went and travelled after I finished high school and then... I worked in a little bar in southern Italy where my um, family is from and I really loved that side of kind of hospitality and everything. Anyway, when I came back, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I kind of was like, oh, well, I enjoy cooking and it's something that I literally, I have done since I was a little girl. I think I first started making breakfast for my mother when I was about three or four years of age. What were you um, making at three or four? Well, I was... I was making her toast and tea out of the hot water tap in the bar. Beautiful. Tepid tea. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my, my humble beginnings. And then my dad was doing a lot of, he was a carpenter, he's a carpenter by trade, so he was doing a lot of renovations at home. So I would be in charge of making morning teas and afternoon teas, so cakes and pikelets and pancakes and oh, different beautiful. sorts of different slices and all that kind of baking. And um, and I suppose with the trips that my um, my parents took us on as children, my first trip was when I was about three or four years old to southern Italy, and my family over there had a farm where they um, they had pigs and chickens and rabbits, and I suppose that was where I had a fascination and an interest in food. But it wasn't really until I kind of came back at sort of 21 going, what am I going to do with my life? And I said, oh, I love cooking. And I looked up in the paper and I found, oh, there's someone advertising an apprenticeship. Oh, I'll go oh, for that. Wow. Having really no idea. But um, once I got into it, I just, it was, yeah, I, it found me. And I think I found cooking. Cooking found me. And I haven't looked back. And I think that's 
that's when it all started. So it wasn't something that I wanted to do from a very early age. I think it was just something that I kind of grew into, but I'd always had that love of really rustic food and growing up having the experience of traveling overseas and, and trying lots of different foods. And I think that was kind of, that spurred me on. Well, I guess, and you've touched on the fact that, you know, you've got that Italian culture, but there is quite a lot of um, international influence on, on any number of your menus. So you've, you've said that sort of comes from travel and experience, but do you have any favourites? What really shines through for you? Oh, God, Jane, that's a terribly hard question. And people often say, what's your favourite food to cook? And, you know, I, yeah, um, I would have to say, okay, being that I am, my father is from Sicily, that southern Mediterranean is probably my forte, using, um, you know, lots of fresh herbs, legumes, vegetables, different meats, um, sort of some spices. But keeping it really nice and fresh, but really robust flavors. Like I love, you know, grab you by the collar, slap you in the face, kind of flavors with, you know, seasonings and lemon juice, lashings of olive oil, and then teaming it with grains and legumes, as I said, and um, yeah, lots of fresh herbs. That's kind of where I love. So that sort of Southern Italian, Greek, Spanish, Middle Eastern, um, Lebanese, all of that sort of swimming around together with a little tiny bit of Asian thrown in. But <laughs> mostly I kind of really stick to that realm. But my favourite food to eat is like a really good Indian dal. I love Indian and spices oh, and those yes. really heady, fragrant flavours and um yeah, that would be probably my last meal. You know, when people ask you what's the, you know, wow. the chef people go, what's your last meal? And I'd be like, a really good dal and a bag of licorice. A bag that's of licorice. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. That's fascinating, actually. I'd just be really happy with something I didn't have to cook. I really love cooking, but I, I love it when someone else cooks too. But um, masala dosa, when we were in India, I reckon that was, I've never eaten anything like that before, a masala, like the, with the... Um, the really flat pancake rolled up and the yes. mashed potato. Oh, but I've never been able to replicate it or seen it replicated really well outside of India. And I have to say, I'd go back in a heartbeat just for a decent masala dosa. There's some good dosa here in Brizzy, but I know what you mean. It is a difficult one to master. You really need that massive, big, flat, um, kind of flat plate to yep. make them so nice and crispy. But yeah, they're delicious. I th- yeah, yeah, they also just look really fiddly, and I'd be again super happy for someone else to, to do that. <laughs> but you know, you had a big year uh, planned for this year with a lot of overseas um, cooking tours and that sort of thing. But that really sort of made you reassess, and you've come up with an amazing new project off the back of that, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. So of course, I um, I run food tours on the side, which I've been doing for about eight or uh, nineteen years now. And I had three tours going last year and, of course, you know, with, with everything that was going on, they've been um, postponed to 2022, fingers crossed, Jane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's going to be a big year in 2022 yeah. for travelling. <laughs> Cattle class but, um, will have yeah. a whole new kind of idea around it, won't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, having just sold my restaurant too, I sold my restaurant um, just before COVID. So oh, nice 2019, at the end of 2019, I sold my restaurant and um, my partner had a wine bar kind of next door. So we sold both of those. And I kind of, I love doing teaching. And I think that kind of that inner sort of, you know, school teacher or that inner teacher in me, um 
kind of thought, well, that's a component of what I used to do at Patia that I really love and how can I can continue to do that? So I've, I'm setting up a um, sort of a very small kind of cooking school on the north side of Brisbane. I've actually kind of gutted out the bottom level of my house mm-hmm. and I'm building a purpose-built kitchen. So it's called Urban Feast, meaning that, you know, kind of teaching people how to work with a very small, a small garden. I've got four chickens, a thousand worms, um, three dogs and probably about four or five garden beds that um, I tend to. And yeah, the cooking school really is kind of very nice and hands-on, easy everyday cooking. I find that's what people, uh, I suppose, get a bit stuck on is those coming up with sort of easy everyday meals that they can kind of plan, get some items ready, pre-prepared, have some stuff that's already in their fridge so it's not a chore to come home and cook. Because I'll be honest, Jane, you know, I don't know about you, but even me as a chef, people go, oh, you must cook at home all the time. But sometimes I get home, I don't want to know about it. Well, yeah, no, well, see, I I live on a cuddle station and have homeschooled my kids. So I feel like I just think about food all the time. You finish one meal and you're thinking about the next meal and then you're thinking about the next meal and you what you have to get like so far in advance. So no, I can completely relate to that. Like you do, as much as I love food and cooking, I'm quite, um, you do need a break from it every now and then. Absolutely. And it's not only that, Jane, but it's the shopping, you know, getting the shopping oh. <laughs> and it's a whole process. So the cooking school is my next little project. And I think you've got a really captive audience at the moment because, it, you know, and I guess COVID and the various lockdowns um, have really invigorated people's desire to to cook better and eat better and just be a bit more involved in the kitchen. Even like I tried to buy my auntie a Mixmaster for Christmas. That was sold out. Everyone got a Mixmaster for Christmas apparently because we're all cooks now. Absolutely. Pasta machines. You couldn't get a pasta machine. You know, I mean, even you've got to have a look at when, you know, when COVID did hit and we all went into lockdown, everyone ran out and got, you know, seedlings. You couldn't buy seedlings. Yeah. You couldn't buy seeds, seeds when yeah. out of stock. Chickens. There was like a, <laughs> a three-month wait for chickens. So I think everybody kind of – I think it, on, on one hand, it's actually been quite a game-changer for people who I suppose did things a little bit differently before but now have kind of had that time to be at home and spend time in the garden and reflect on how they live their lives and perhaps that they, you know, wanted to make some changes. And I think getting more into cooking, spending more time with the family – spending time in the garden, maybe maybe being a little bit more sustainable, I think has become a little bit more paramount. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that that, that in itself is a, a long-term, or at least a, not a short-term, I can't, you know, I'm struggling to find exactly what I mean here, but, you know, will that continue? Will people continue to, to ride this wave for a while? Or will everyone go back to, you know, their fast food kind of quick and easy things pretty quickly when COVID sort of disappears? No, I think I've got a feeling that it will stay or aspects of it will linger on because I think we've had a bit of a taste of the good life. We've all had a bit of a taste of not necessarily having to go into the office five days a week, being able to work from home, having that flexibility in life, you know, and also most of us having not uh, having a job has kind of also, I think, kind of made us think, okay, well, maybe we could do, you know, either job sharing or it is really nice to be at home and spend more time at home or in the garden or with the family or having more time to prepare meals. So I, I've got a feeling, and particularly for myself, um, 
you know, I've loved it. I love, I've loved being at home and being able to get my garden up and, and get more into gardening because I used to kill cactus. Like, I was horrendous and could not – had the worst green thumb. And I'm very proud of what I've achieved in my back garden and the maintaining it. And actually, it's, it's actually given me a morning purpose. I wake up early, I go down, I feed the chickens, check on the worms, do some scraps for them, water the garden. And it's just that time. It's almost like a meditation. So I feel that – once you've had a bit of a taste of it, I'm hoping, and I know that I know a lot of people who have made some changes and are really sticking to them and actually kind of keeping them in their routine. And I think too the other the other factor it's highlighted is getting to know your growers and your producers a little bit more. So do you think you know we are here to talk about beef? So I'm going to use the beef industry as an example. People really want to know where their their food has come from and want to, to support their local growers. Have you seen that as well? Huge. I, yeah, I think so. I think a lot more people are more concerned. You've only got to look around the supermarket. Well, I do. I kind of look around when I'm, you know, when I'm shopping and seeing people reading labels a lot more and, you know, choosing Australian beef. Um, particularly, I will go to my butcher and inquire, you know, where it's from or do they have Australian beef? What beef do they have? Where does, where does it come from? Just, as, a, as my for my own interest, but I feel that we were on that path, I think, already prior to COVID hitting. I think a lot of shifts and the way that the food industry was heading, there was a really a fabulous positive push towards more local. And I think now more than ever, given that Australia has become, I suppose, a bit more isolated in what's going on in the world, I really feel that now more than ever is an incredible time to really get in and support Australia. And there's no reason why. I mean, we've got some of the best produce and I'm really thrilled to hear that a lot more of it is not necessarily getting exported and we're importing stuff from someone else, but we're actually keeping a lot more of it in the country. And I think, you know, people can kind of maintain that support local, go to your local markets, chat to the producers, um, attend any kind of festivals that do showcase local produce. I think it's yeah, I think it's fantastic. So when you're at the butcher, you um, you're going to be cooking beef tonight. Um, what are you? What do you want to know about your cut of beef, and what are you looking for? What I'm looking for is, I suppose, depending on the dish. Um, I still like doing a lot of slow cooked dishes, even in summer, because I think they're still you can still create some really lovely slow cooked. Um, meals or slow roasted dishes, even though it's, you know, 30, 40 degrees and have them with a salad or, you know, have them outside or maybe kind of finish them off on the barbecue. But I really want to know where it's come from, what the cut, I'll kind of say, look, this is what I'm cooking. This is the cut I'd like. They might recommend, what about this? They, might not, they may not have what I'm wanting, so they might recommend something else. Um, and then I tend to look for the colour, marbling. I always like a little bit of fat. Yes, on my meat that's as mandatory. Well. Yep. <laughs> um, absolutely. And, and also the flavour. Um, and I suppose, yeah, the location, locality, um, trying to keeping it local. Um, and generally if I am, depending on, particularly if I'm doing meat calls and that type of thing, I tend to have a little taste of most, most people don't like eating raw meat, but I do tend to have a little taste of it raw. Mm. 
No, absolutely. Mm. Just I, I get I, the flavour. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I can completely relate to that. Now, yeah. we, we first met at Beef 18, uh, where you were cooking all sorts of delicious things. And I think I caught you on the hop in the you were dead, you wanted to go shopping and get some boots, I think, from, from memory. I did, so, yes. did you get your boots? <laughs> Are they no, fabulous? I did buy a couple of really great shirts and I bought a belt. Oh, great. It's good going shopping at Beef Week. You can get some <laughs> awesome pieces. Oh, uh, and a hat, a great hat, which I will be taking this year as well. Oh, perfect. Back with me. I can't <laughs> wait to see this. This is going to be great. Um, <laughs> Dominic Rizzo with her with her grey hat. I can't wait. And buckle. You'll have to wear your belt as well. Yeah, yeah. And my cowboy boots. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. You really <laughs> went the whole hog. <laughs> Anyway, um, from memory, and please correct me, but I'm pretty sure you did a slow-cooked, maybe it was a beef cheek, beef cheek last time with the... um... I did, um, yeah, I did. No, you know what it was? I did for the, because we normally, well, last year we had a, um, oh, no, the last beef was 2018. We um, cooked for a fabulous lunch, and each chef cooked a couple of different dishes, and I did an agriculture um, beef rib dish, which oh, is delicious. Right. It really yeah, was. I'm so going to vouch 150% for that. It really was delicious. Yeah, remember? <laughs> and it had the honey, chilli. Um, it had like a sweet and sour sort of honey and chilli dressing that went over the top with kind of crushed almonds. And I did a beautiful um, beef carpaccio. And the other one was a um, potato gnocchi with a ragu. That's so nice. they were my three dishes, which I love to then, and it kind of really showcases the, the the I suppose the raw product in itself with a carpaccio, which I always love showing, whether it's a beef pate or a carpaccio, because I think it's important to taste the flavour of the meat. Um, typically, then you're talking about kind of grass-fed, grain-fed, and kind of going into a bit more detail and, and you know, getting those flavour profiles. Yeah. Um, I love the, the beef short ribs because they're just delicious. They're really great for that really long kind of slow braising, fall off the bone, and they're great for to pre-prepare. Mm. Um, and they've got some intense flavour and all of that beautiful kind of, you know, they've got a bit of um, the fat and the gelatin. And I was going to say the gelatin, they're pretty gelat- gelatinous when they're cooked down, but that's Very, the best part. I yeah, love it. which just make them just that really unctuous when you're eating them and it's kind of juicy and everything. Mm. And um, the ragu was a... Um, I think I use either a chuck or um, oyster blade or something like that that you could just shred and lots of flavour, red wine. So those kind of, yeah, I'd like to kind of, I do usually like to sort of show a couple of different different techniques, different styles and different cuts um, as opposed to just kind of doing steaks and that sort of thing. I'm going to try and push myself out a little bit further this time around, Jane. I'm not great with the barbecue or smoking and I'm going to attempt to kind of do something along that line. Wow. I was going to say, we don't, we, I don't think you have too much detail about what we can expect from the celebrity chefs in terms of menus at this stage. But if you had your ideal, ideal scenario, what, what would you be pushing to sort of really showcase this time around? Considering that Beef, beef 21 and, and Beef Expos are generally um, – very good at highlighting some of the secondary or tastier cuts on a on a beast. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to only because I've just been sitting at home while I'm cooking, or if I'm you know working in the kitchen because my kitchen is in my lounge room, and um, <laughs> so I usually put on barbecue pit masters or something like that while I'm cooking. <laughs> so I picked up. I really want to have a go at like a big sort of a slab, whether it be a brisket or something along those lines, and do that really 
long, it's slow, get the rub on, the flavour, you know, and then I want to see when I'm cutting it, just that juice coming out and that wobble. Everyone talks about the wobble of the brisket when <laughs> it's ready and, the, yep. and that crust. So that's what I want to do. The other thing I want to work on, I'd like to kind of give a go is those incredible big Spanish um, or Brazilian hot grills. Okay. That you, yeah, that you can kind of, you know, get the fire stoking and then kind of do that nice sort of grilled charcoal with that, you know, the flames kind of hitting the meat and the fat drops back down and then you're getting that incredible flavour from the flames kind of, you know, and the thing, the rub and the meat. And so, yeah, they're my two. I haven't done either of them before. <laughs> well, but we're better to I experiment than, than, you know, cooking for a few hundred, possibly thousands right, of people. Right. Like, what? The, great thing about, the great thing about Beef Week is that there's so many incredible, uh, a lot of the, the suppliers there too who bring their equipment in are just so knowledgeable. So they're really on hand. And a lot of the boys know everything. So I normally kind of, you know, I'll put my I'll put my recipe out there and then I'll ask for a few tips. <laughs> well, you know that sounds fabulous either way. But I, you know, and I guess you've touched on the diversity within a beef. You know, people talk about beef, but there is so much diversity within that, and so many different ways of showcasing it. As as a chef and someone who you know has worked in any number of roles within just that industry, how do you promote beef on a menu? Because, you know, you've used so much colourful language just in this interview with the different ways you can describe it. But with them, how do you promote it on the menus? I suppose for me, when I um, when I had the restaurant, even now, like when I'm cooking, I'll put posts up about what I'm using and, and what cut it is and what I've done and the recipe. And I suppose to promote it on a menu, um, yeah, it is the wording and also the ingredients and keeping in theme with the season as well. So... Making sure that, you know, yeah, if it is nice and it's wintry, you've got some really gorgeous slow braised or slow cooked with a great jus or um, a really, I mean, you can never go past a really great steak whenever, I never, I didn't usually put steak on the menu down at Pitier that often because we used to do like these cheeks, we do sort of more slow cooked mm. um, beef dishes just due to the ease of being able to kind of pre-prepare them and do with service and stuff. But whenever we put just the steak on, it would just walk out the door. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, I think it's the wording, the accompaniment, even just a simple kind of Paris butter, which has, you know, up to nine, 10, 12 different ingredients in a simple butter, just a blob of, a knob of that sitting on a beautiful steak as it kind of drips down and that flavour. Oh, that's something that I really love. Oh, I got some of that for Christmas. One of my good friends who obviously knows me better than, well, I realised, gave me a, um, a steak butter that she'd made herself for Christmas. Oh, I thought, I thought yeah. that was the best present I've ever got. It's delicious, isn't it? I mean, and you can just, I mean, if you like me, I just use those sorts of things on anything. But when it's, <laughs> it's when it is supposed go to wrong. go on this joke, yeah, <laughs> um, it's pretty delicious. But I think the wording, the type of cut, I think people are kind of particular about types of cuts and keeping it fairly general knowledge. Like there's so many. I mean, even myself as a chef, I get confused sometimes with the cuts because there are, quite a number of different terminology used for the same cut. So, you know, you could be asking for something and it could be, you know, it'll be something else. So using a cut that people are familiar with, the flavour profiles and maybe having crunchy and chunky chips on the side, that's always a winner. <laughs> the chunky chips. Now, um, <laughs> there has been, you know, a fairly well-publicised increase with, you know, plant-based foods and that real focus. How do you think that's going to affect the beef industry when you 
you know, are so passionately advocating for this particular cup? I think it's actually, it will actually help to kind of boost the industry because I noticed, I mean, have you noticed as well that there's a lot more plant-based protein slash fake meat kind of products coming out? Well, yes, but they, but to me, and this is where I come unstuck with this argument too, to me, a lot of it is processed, whereas beef really has that advantage that it is clean, green, there's nothing done to it. This is the product that had a happy life in a paddock and is very good for you. So I I struggle with the argument to start with, which is why I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Look, I would I have to agree with you. I agree with the fact that, yes, it is more of a processed product. The other thing that I think, I think it fits in a, um, it fits a piece of the puzzle as it gives people an option if they want to have something. I suppose if you're completely vegan, it's a completely different story and we're not going to that. I mean, no, that's, that's, you an option that's a eating. whole separate thing. That's another yeah. talk. That's yeah. Another, <laughs> conver- yeah, another conversation. But for me, and I suppose for me, I kind of would rather go for a vegetable dish as opposed to a fake meat vegetable or vegetarian slash vegan dish. But I think that it gives it gives an opportunity for people who are meat eaters to have a day where they perhaps, you know, we're always told eat more vegetables. You know, Meat Free Monday has been a huge hashtag and a huge kind of promotion and campaign that's been going for quite some time where they do recommend to not necessarily be eating meat every single day of the week. And I think having those options there is just a nice, opportunity to have a bit of choice but then I always I really feel that people will always go back to eating natural eating beef and eating real meat and I agree people who have tried I know a lot of people who have tried the fake meat and will try it out of curiosity and just to give it a go and maybe just as an option but will always go back to eating the real thing so I don't I think it's a really nice compliment to the beef industry having some of these products and I know that a few um Beef producers have been looking into the potential of putting out some vegan options as well. But um, I don't think it is ever going to harm our Australian beef industry. We love our meat too much. <laughs> yes, and Not I think really. <laughs> <laughs> I think yes, I think you're onto a onto a winner there. Now, I guess we, everyone who has come on this podcast, I've asked the same question of what is your favourite cut of beef just not for a showcase dinner just for your you know average Tuesday night but I feel talking to you it would be like picking your favorite dog like can you do that can you pick a favorite cut oh it's hard you know what I did I can tell you what I just cooked recently and I did some um beef cheeks I have to say I love I love the gelatinous meat I love that mm, meat that I'm getting that from you falls yeah. Apart. yeah more <laughs> so than sitting down to a juicy big steak I did have some gorgeous wagyu at a, um, a Japanese restaurant recently, but it was the thinnest of thinnest slices. And, Jane, literally, I think I had three slices. They would have been probably almost a little bit bigger than a postage stamp. And it was almost like that was enough. Like, I would rather pay extra, have a smaller quantity, but the quality and the flavour and the experience of eating it being exponential as opposed to just sitting down to like a you know a six dollar steak at the local tavern or something not yes. that there's anything wrong with that no, but I get that's just not me I'm not a steak girl I would rather local but I did these amazing beef chips which we had 
as beef cheeks with, I think I must have cooked vegetables or something with it. But then the next day, you know how they go, if you don't cook, keep them in the sauce and stuff. They go a little bit hard. Yeah. I chopped them all up and made these amazing sausage rolls. If you've <laughs> ever tried a beef cheek sausage roll, I love a good sausage roll. That's oh one of my, my things as well. You just and, inspired um, me. It was bacon, beef cheek, herbs. It was like my two nirvanas coming together, like flaky hot pastry and really tender beef cheek with bacon. That sounds delicious. If you're going to make them again, let me know. I'll be there in a heartbeat. That sounds great. Uh, So I guess going back to that question then, You've said beef cheeks and that was a great moment. But if you like if you're in a rush, you've sort of finished work, you don't really feel like cooking, what are you what are you going to get from the butcher? Like just a, on an average. Oh, Tuesday. what am I gonna get? Yeah. I'd like um I don't necessarily like the stir fry steak like the stir fry strips that mm. the butchers do. I find they get really um a little bit too um, chewy, but I like even if I do buy them, I pound them out so that they're flat or I'll buy a steak and put it in the freezer and then slice it really thinly and I will do a really quick cook with lemongrass, ginger, garlic, fish sauce and and then do like a Vietnamese noodle salad with kind of beef on top. Yeah. That's my go-to really quick throw together. Um, yeah, if I want something that's a quick a quick dinner. But that sounds I, yeah, delicious. I do tend to kind of make that beef really more flat than sort of finger shaped. Okay, well, no, I, I have to say that I, that's generally one of my go-tos as well, so I'm, I'm quite happy that you've mentioned that. Now, with we Beef go. 21, we've only got a few months to go, and, um, you know, at last last time you had a pretty good shopping spree as well as put on a pretty amazing feast. <laughs> what are your expectations this time? Another hat, some more boots? <laughs> I can't help myself. I don't actually do a lot of shopping, but I just like wandering around. I um, My expectations, well, I already know that there are – there's a fantastic lineup of chefs heading up there, which I'm always really excited about. And I love kind of having a bit of a sticky dig at what all the other chefs are doing and what they're cooking. And generally we're, we make all, all make a really good team. So we all kind of help each other out. So that's something that what I'm enjoying, what I'm looking forward to. Um, and also trying all the food. Yeah, well, that do you get that opportunity as chefs? Like, you know, obviously you're all very passionate about food and eating and, and you know, bringing people together, but I'd imagine you're also flat-strapped a lot of the time. You don't op- normally would get that opportunity. So does events like beef where you get that sort of one-on-one time and the, or the group time with different chefs, is that a real learning experience as much as anything else? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I love hovering. I just kind of hang out in the kitchen and I'm always sort of asking the boys if they need help or everyone's always really eager to give each other a hand and I love it because I'm, yeah, I'm always kind of seeing what anyone else is doing, what their, you know, different tips that they've got or different methods of cooking meats that they're using and it is a fantastic, fantastic learning curve. Um, The other thing I love is wandering around and looking at all of the cattle and um yeah, just kind of getting, and I just love the feel of Beef Week. I love the feel. I'll even love the smell, Jane. <laughs> I love it. Seriously, I just walk amongst it. I love it. Oh, all of it. Well, I can remember when I was living in Brisbane, when I first moved to Brisbane as a, you know, North Queensland bushy kid and the cattle trains would go past the city and I'd get so excited about that stench of cattle and manure and everything else and my flatmate could never understand it I'm like you don't understand it's an amazing smell particular (laughs) person that enjoys that but yes I don't I quite like it and also cuddling all the cattle the ones that you can get up close with and giving them a little bit of a rub and having a bit of a chat and 
you know, and then also talking with a lot of the producers as well. That's that's an excellent opportunity for chefs too. And it's, you know, when you're so busy, like, you know, when you're working and you're, or you're in your own restaurant and you're just doing your thing, you don't get a lot of, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to kind of chat to farmers. We flew out to a farm and had a, um, you know, Devonshire tea and, and, you know, cooked a billy on the fire. And, and it was, that was fantastic. And had breakfast out on the farm with the, you know, with the producers and, that was that was gold. Like you know, experiences like that, and just yeah, you don't get to kind of do that every day. So that's the sort of that's the sort of thing that I look forward to when I go to beef. And also, it's like it's an international event. So you know, a lot of people think that it's just sort of Australia, but we've got international chefs come in. Um, you know, there's international um, growers producers. So it's a yeah, it's a fantastic event to go to. Absolutely. Well, Dominic Rizzo, I really look forward to catching up with you at Beef 21. Oh, Jane, me too. And I'll send you that recipe for those sausage rolls. Oh, please do. I will, I will look forward to that. <laughs> we'll see you at Beef. Dominic, thank you so much for your time today. Okay. Thanks, Jane. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.